What's that song from? Is that Rocky? Okay, that's boring. Um, it's Monday. Happy Monday. Um, well, it's Monday at the time I'm recording this. I release a podcast every Wednesday and Saturday, and then I go and record it just whenever the I feel like. Um, this is Complete Drivel. My name is Christian Hull. I um, am a loser with no life who loves doing things that a 60-year-old woman or even a 75-year-old woman would do, like make candles and yell at strangers and get grumpy. It's I, I cannot wait till I'm a 75-year-old woman. I'm going to be like the best 75-year-old woman in the history of the world. Um, so my brothers were just uh, visiting from Sydney over the weekend. Um, I've had oh, my mum and dad was over a couple of weeks ago. Then my aunt came and stayed with me for a couple of weeks. Then my brothers. Like, oh, dear family, piss off. I moved to Melbourne to get away from you. Stupid family. No, I didn't. I have a great family. We, we're rock solid. But I hate them physically and emotionally. Um, and so if you're unaware, my brothers run a candle wholesale supply business. I bang on about it because I make scented candles. Cause again, remember I'm a 75 year old woman. And so that's why I make them. Cause they started this wholesale business, blah, blah, blah. I'll explain more of that. Um, my brother said something to me, um, that was supposed to be like a funny joke, but I almost cried and I had to like put on a real brave face and just push through it and laugh it off. Um, also I want to talk about, <gasps> no, I wanted to do a whole podcast on this story, but I don't think I will. So I'm going to talk to my brothers. Oh, I want to talk to you about an incredible story um, about some friends of mine that had a very, very close encounter with a serial killer. Uh, so close, they almost they almost got killed. It's an amazing story. Now, I was supposed to call my mum and I was going to ask her if she thought it was okay if I share this story because it was about um, a close friend of hers. But um, I'll change the names in it. Not that it really matters, but it's a really close family friend. And um, I love true crime. Like, true crime fascinates me. The Jean Benet documentaries, uh, Making a Murderer, all those sort of... Oh, if you've got Netflix, you need to watch Forensic Files. It's like 80 little 25-minute episodes of true crime. <gasps> Forensic Files write it down. It's amazing. And I'm, I'm, I watch them over and over again. And I'm just fascinated by murderers and like serial killers, like the things that they go to their lives. It's so strange. And my, um, aunt, while she was here, shared with me a story, um, about, uh, very, very, very close, almost a sister, to my mum and my aunts. Um, and basically, so this is the story. It's happened in 1975. If you're familiar with Charles Sobrage, now you probably need to be relatively old to know who I'm talking about. It was quite a famous um, serial killer who murdered tourists in India and I think in Vietnam um, and, and this is the story. Hold on. I need to just, let me just pause this. And, hold on. No, no, I'm just going to write. Oh, I'm going to say their names, but I went, I'll call one of them Jess. Um, and then, um, Adrian 
This is my brother and Nick. So we'll just call them Jess, Adrian and Nick. So Jess, Adrian and Nick all decided uh, to go on an adventure overseas. Now they live in Australia. Um, Jess... Adrian and Nick, all very close friends with my mum, like super close, grew up together, went to school together. And in 1975, I think they were about in their very early 20s, and they decided to go travelling and they go to Thailand uh, and then they, they go over to India. Now, in India, they meet this man. Now, Jess describes this man as sort of very charming um, and he was relatively attractive, so they meet this man who who was Charles, the the serial killer, Charles Sabraj. That obviously they didn't know that. Um, no one knew that. Um, he wasn't caught, and uh, he at the the time that they had met. So the time Jess, Adrian, and Nick met Charles, he had already murdered about ten people. So they meet him in India, and he's very charming, and they become very close. Um, you know that they they hang out with him, Adrian and Nick, uh, like besties. Like they become very, very good friends with Charles. Um, Jess though had always maintained a little bit of distance and, and was a little bit just hesitant to really befriend him. And so she sort of just went along with the boys. The boys loved him. Like they were, oh, he's one of us, you know, yes, come on. Um, and they went out to dinner and they went out and, and they did things. And basically, um, Charles Sabraj charmed them enough to reveal that he was a gem smuggler, which was a complete ruse. Um, and he wanted them to help smuggle gems and he would pay them quite handsomely. And the guys were like, the boys were like, yeah, let's do it. And Jess was, was like, mm, I don't know. Mm, mm, I don't think so. Um, but basically then what happened was Charles said, um, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So he's convinced them to smuggle these gems into Nepal. So they're hanging out and they're basically all sleeping over in the same uh, hotel room. And it's a small hotel room. It's hot. All the windows are open. And the Jess and we'll say Adrian were sleeping in one bed. And then, you know, Charles and, and Nick were over on another side. And Jess recounts the fact that she woke up to some rustling noises at the end of the bed, which is where all their suitcases were. Um, and she didn't get up. She sort of just laid there and just sort of opened her eyes, didn't make any movements, and saw Charles going through their bags. Now, the reason that he was going through their bags, they didn't know at the time, but he was looking for their passports and documents. Because what he would do when he would meet these tourists is he'd take all their passports and documents and, and kill them and, and travel the world on the visas and on the passports. And that way, you know, he wasn't going by his real name, so no one could sort of track him. So... Uh, they were lucky enough, the passports weren't in their bag. So Jess, Adrian and Nick didn't have the passports in their bag. So Jess wakes up um, and shares the information and is like, guys, no, this is the, you know, this is what I saw. This is what happened. Um, please believe me. And the boys were like, oh, you sure? Like he may have just been, you know, going through his, like, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? And she's like, yes, I have a really bad feeling about this guy. Um, we need to go. And what had happened was Charles had also invited the three of them out to a breakfast where they discussed sort of the gems deals and, and smuggling the gems into Nepal from India, which is where they were. And 
uh, Jess was like, I'm not going to this breakfast. We're going. We're leaving. We're not doing it. Let's go. And the boys were like, oh, no, it'll be okay. And she was like, okay, here it is. I, I get a weird vibe. I'm leaving. Now, you either will come with me or you'll, you'll leave. And the boys were really good friends with Jess. They're like, no, 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 it's okay. Okay. We understand how stressed you are. It's okay. We'll just um, we'll just leave. Now, there was no mobile phones. There was no communication. So, they didn't call him. They didn't talk to him. They just left. And then what happened was they got back home to Australia and they were, one of them was reading the paper and saw Charles's photo and realised that they police were looking for Charles and they'd captured him and uh, he had killed 12 tourists. Now, at the time they met with Charles, he'd only killed 10. So by the time they'd gotten home and he'd been captured, he'd murdered another two tourists. So they were all obviously incredibly shocked because they were going to be next because what he would do is he would take them out for lunch, dinner, breakfast, and he'd drug their food and then he would nurse them back to health and that's where you really trusted him and then he'd strangle them and burn them alive. So what was more than likely going to happen is the Jess, Adrian and Nick would go off to breakfast, he would drug them, uh, he would then help them, you know, and then they would trust him and he would steal their passports and kill them. Now, how horrific is that? They got, they almost got murdered by, uh, it's one of the, it's India's most famous serial killer. That was terrifying. When my aunt told me that, I was terrified. And I felt really like, imagine like, you'd never go traveling again. You'd never trust anyone again. But it was so fascinating because then I read all about him and, and how he operated and then that the stories that, we heard from this trip and I was just like, this is almost a movie. Like they narrowly avoided being killed by him. Isn't that so epic? Oh, anyway, that's the end of that story. And we'll talk about something new and less murdery and stabby. He's still in prison. I'm pretty sure he got life. He got caught and he got life in prison. And then he got released. And then he got... Oh, I don't remember. What did it... I'm clearly... My memory is terrible. But Wikipedia, Charles Sabrage. And he'll come up and you'll see him. Oh, it's so weird. Uh, All right. I want to talk about my brothers. Let's talk about my brothers. Whoa. (laughs) I probably shouldn't sing about my brothers to the... Let's talk about sex song. That's real awkward. So my brothers came over. Uh, they came down from Sydney not to visit me uh, because their business has a wet. They, they run a candle supply business. So they sell all the wholesale products, wax, fragrances, wicks, colours, jars, tins, containers, everything to make scented candles they sell, which is why I make so many. I have... About 200 scented candles sitting in my house, and I don't know what to do with them. I can't be bothered going to a market, but I really like making them. So all I do at home is make them, and I've just got this huge stockpile. So on on the weekend, we went to the warehouse um, where we were just organizing stuff. It was it was like a sweatshop. Oh, my God. It is the most horrific work I've ever done. It's counting wicks, like just the little bits of string. 
you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, a bundle of 10, put it in a bag, label it, next. And doing like 5,500 of those and then colours and then weighing the wax and putting it into jars, then sorting out all the different tins and then having to fill all these orders come through at the same time. I'm just like, oh. My feet are like, I'm still so sore. It was like two full days of work. I did it for free, sort of. What they don't know is that I actually got a box and I stole so much from them. I was like, oh, that's nice. I don't want to buy it. It's too expensive online. Yoink. So I bought like fragrances. I was going to take some marble tin, like jars. They have these beautiful marble um, containers with these gold lids. I was like, oh, I want them because they're so expensive. I was like, mm, I can't, can't really take them. That's a bit mean. Um, anyway, the business is called Crafty Candle Supplies. You just go and have a look at the stock and you'll know exactly what I've been doing. CraftyCandleSupplies.com.au uh, And I was over there and I was packing a whole bunch of products for them. And Tim, so my two brothers, Tim and Nick, they're identical. They were there and Tim leans into Nick and whispers something. And then they both laugh. And I'm like, oh, it's about me. What? Just tell me. I'm fine. I won't get offended. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. And I'm like, no, no, now I need to know. I want to know. And they're like, no, it's fine. And Nick was like, don't say it. Don't you say it. Don't do it. And I was like, tell me. Tell me or I won't do any work. I was playing the role of the little annoying sister and uh, Tim goes to me, oh, I was just saying like at the back of your neck, you're like getting an old man's hump. Oh, oh my God. That is the meanest, most horrible thing to say to someone who's, I've already got a hunched back and I've got a sore back issues and I'm already dealing with turning 30 in a month. And he goes, oh, you've got a hump for a back. Oh, good old hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> and I was like, internally, I was like crying, like hysterical, like screaming. And I wanted to murder him. And I was like, oh, my God. Because, you know, like the old, old ladies and they're like their head points to the ground. And they've got like a, a bump on the back of their neck where their spine bends. I don't want that. I'm 29 years old. I still have 60 years before I get one of those. And my brothers were like, yeah, you're getting one. Well, Tim was. Nick Nick thought it was awful. And I was like, yeah, it is awful. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, that's real funny, Tim. On the inside, mortified, horrified. And then for the next, like, two days, I'm, like, trying to, like, have, like, overcorrect my posture where I'm like... Reaching my neck back all the way so that you can't see any hump, and then I'm like feeling it. Is the hump gone? And oh, it was so deflating. But then I sort of laundered it over my brother's head, and so um, every time he complained or whinged, I was like, "Well, at least you don't have a hump on your back." Well, I'm just gonna drain my hump, stupid asshole, Tim. Tim, you stupid. They'll never listen to this, and that's also real sad because. I mean, I went to their warehouse and supported them in their business endeavours. Nope. Do they watch any of the videos I make? No, they don't. Mum forces them to look at them. And do they listen to the podcast? No. Watch the YouTube channel? No. Do they watch the Snapchats? Sometimes. They don't follow me on Twitter or Instagram. 
God. I mean, there's only like 17 platforms that they should be across with their older brother every day. I expect them to check in and then text me all the hilarious things that I posted and stroke my ego. Those assholes do the opposite and tell me I have a hump on my back. (sighs) That is literally the worst thing anyone has said to me. And people, people to my face have thought I was a girl. Having a hump for a back is way worse. I would rather someone come come up to me and go, Hello, miss. I was wondering, do you sell this? Oh, I'm a man. I'm sorry, miss. What was that? I, I got mistaken for a woman um, when I worked in retail. I'm pretty sure I've said that story before. It'll be in one of the previous podcasts. Um, <sighs> can you tell I'm really worked up? Nah, probs not. Stupid asshole, Tim. I hate you. Now I've got to record it. Now I'm, oh, stupid, I don't want to do anything.